Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training, this is The Saver and The Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. And welcome, everybody, to the first episode of 2017 for The Saver and The Spender. We have actually been gone for a little bit. It's been kind of a crazy past at least three months um, with the business and family and and all good things. Um, Holidays. Holidays. A one-year-old now. Yeah, exactly. uh, (laughs) But we're back, and we are um, super ready and committed to put out a podcast every week for you guys, and hopefully you have enjoyed the first seven that we've done. This is episode eight. Really? Um, Yeah, it is. Um, we should tell everybody that my favorite number is number eight. That's true. And it was my number in softball. And so there's a song that everybody used to sing when I got up to bat. Ader, gator, eat em up, beat em up, beat em up. And so that's my favorite number. So this is favorite number podcast number eight. It's her favorite podcast ever. <laughs> uh, so we got some good stuff for you today. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, you guys haven't been... Uh, I mean, we haven't had a podcast in the past couple months, but, uh, you know, if you do have questions or topics that you do want us to, to bring up uh, and talk about, please let us know, either on our Facebook page, Fiscal Fitness PHX, uh, or my email is michael at fiscalfitnessphx.com. You can email me some topics or questions. Um, I love the questions. I feel like yeah. it's so much easier for me to to answer a question versus sort of provide general financial advice. Yeah. I'm much, much better when someone asks a very specific question. So that's your opportunity to get some advice and some from some financial guidance is shoot Michael an email and we will answer your question on a podcast because I actually love doing it. Yeah, I do too. And I wish we could just spend, you know, do two or three questions a podcast, you know, if we could, I think that'd be really cool. So, well, maybe every so often, like once a quarter, we can do a show where all we do is field mm-hmm. questions. It's like a mailbag or something like oh, that. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Well, the first thing we want to talk about is what's trending in the news. Um, and this is uh, a new poll from NPR, the Robert Wood Johnson foundation and the Harvard TH Chan school of public health found that nearly one-third of parents who have a fee for child care say the cost has caused a financial problem in their household. And of those, more than 70% said that it is somewhat or very serious problem. And no wonder the average cost of daycare in the United States is uh, almost $10,000 per year. It edges out the average cost of in-state college tuition at $9,400, according to a recent report from New America, a think tank in Washington, D.C., so what do you see with your clients with health, uh, with child care, excuse me, and um, some things to, to do for that to help? I cannot believe how expensive child care has gotten in the last five to 10 years. I mean, it has, I don't know the numbers, like, but just from what I see on people's budgets, I don't know if it's considered to be doubled or tripled, but mm-hmm. man, it is so much higher now than it ever was mm-hmm. when I first started. So the number in the NPR was um, $9,589 per year. So, you know, if you break that down per month, that's about $800 per month per child. And I mean, I think I see that often. That's not really, especially in the East Coast, my East Coast clients spend easily that much per month. It's really hard to find a daycare. They usually charge enrollment fees. You have to put a whole deposit down six months in advance. I mean, it's really, really competitive. Um, here, I don't think we spend that much. So, I'm, uh, of course, it's different by state. Um, but $800 is not 
it, it's really not unheard of, wow. you know? Um, and, you know, I, I'm not surprised that more than 70%, 70% of people said it's a serious problem for their budget because very few people can field an $800 expense every month without feeling the pinch. Right. That is more than some people's mortgage. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's a mortgage. Yeah, or rent payment, yeah. for sure. So it's easily become probably the second largest expense that a person has, So and mm-hmm. second to their house. Um, so it's really, really high. So a few things um, that I think some tips, right, on either just ways to save on childcare or kids in general. Um, the first thing is this idea, don't tell yourself that, well, it's only for a few years and then they're going to go to school and I'm going to save that daycare money. Okay. So if your child's in daycare and you're telling yourself, oh, well, it's only until they're five and then they go into kindergarten and I won't have to pay that. You won't have to pay childcare necessarily. But what I have seen is that it's very normal that you'll still have children's expenses, whether it's now a sport that they play, school activities, school functions, like a field trip you have to pay for. Um, just the number of birthday parties that kids go to for the kids in their class. So if you, I think my challenge for you is by telling yourself, well, it's only for a few years, you're almost sort of conceding that you, it's temporary and you don't have to somehow find a way to make it work. And in a, in a productive way in your budget, where I think as soon as you start to say, this is now an expense I'm going to have for a very long time. And I kind of need to figure it out. It immediately puts you into more of a problem solving mode, as opposed to something that you're just conceding and it's temporary. So you're just going to let it go for a little while and suffer through it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so some ways to save money, um, definitely try and use a flexible spending dependent care account through your work if you have that. So the idea is that every uh, year you get to elect a certain amount of money. It changes every year. Last year, I think it was $5,500. So sorry if it's different for 2017. I haven't looked at it yet. Um, but the idea is that a little bit comes out of every paycheck and then you can simply get reimbursed for childcare expenses and it makes it deductible for you up until that amount. So it's definitely worth it if you have that option to be using it. Um, another thing is to try and nanny share if at all possible. So this can actually sometimes be cheaper than childcare depending on the state that you live in. Again, some states this is really, really expensive and so it actually is more expensive than childcare, um, like a um, childcare facility. Uh, but sometimes nanny share is actually cheaper. Uh, really talk with your work about any flex shift options and don't concede right away that you don't have the option. Okay. Just talk to your HR manager, talk to your boss and just simply ask the question. If they say no, you're right back where you are right now. And so there's really no harm done in hearing the word no. Um, and what I'm talking about when I say flex shifts is maybe you have the ability to work from home one day a week. And so you can essentially pay one day less of childcare per week. Uh, maybe you, you have the option to work four tens as opposed to five eights, which again would mean one less day. Um, maybe you have the option to work a split shift. And so you and your significant other can somehow tag team the childcare. So they do part-time, you know, really it's just cutting down on the number of shifts that the child or number of hours that the child is in school. Okay. So, and again, don't just assume that you can't do it. You never know. So just ask. Most employers know that it's usually just a temporary situation and they, you know, especially nowadays really want to help you through that period. Okay. Um, some ways to save money or to kind of make up the cost is, you know, definitely check out the kids eat free nights at restaurants. Make sure you're using and taking advantage of those. Hey, if you got extra time, check out Uber or Lyft or pizza delivery or something like that to make a little extra money. Um, 
do some repairs around the house yourself. And uh, hopefully all of those things will really help to at least just minimize the impact and uh, on your budget of the childcare expenses. And I would say, let us know. I'd love to hear in the comments how much you spend on childcare and where you're from. Because like I said, I think I see a huge shift um, across all the states here for all my clients. And I'd like to hear where you're from and how much you pay and kind of the structure. So whether it's like a daily childcare, is it a nanny? And, and let's just kind of do our own little research. I'd like to hear from you guys. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, let us know. So we're going to move on to Kelsa's financial rule of dumb, which is... Focus on paying off your debt first. So here's the scoop. I actually love the idea of getting out of debt. So I don't want people to think that I don't want them to get out of debt because I do. Um, But there are times where what I notice is that a person doesn't save first because they're solely focused on getting out of debt first. Okay. And then what happens is if you don't save for a car repair or Christmas or that family vacation that you aren't willing to sacrifice, then you could take everything out of your checking account today, pay off a credit card, and then literally next week, maybe it's Christmas and you put all those gifts on the credit card. And so what's happening is you're in this vicious cycle because you're obsessed with the idea of getting out of debt. So what happens is you have this false progress. Okay. So it feels like you're getting ahead, but you're really not. It's not realistic. Okay. So what you need to do instead is be, become very proactive and become very intentional with what you're going to spend money on in the near future and save for all of that, set money aside for it first. And then if you have extra on top of that, then you can throw that money to debt. And you know, this is where Some people are willing to sacrifice to the nth degree when they have debt. They're not going to take a vacation. They're not going to eat out. They're not going to buy any clothes and that kind of thing um, until they get out of debt. And other people are simply not willing to make those adjustments. I don't think there's a right and a wrong way. I think it's sort of to each your own, and it has to do with sort of your value system and that kind of thing. So you just have to be really honest and realistic with yourself and then plan for those things get ready for them, cash flow them. So pay for those things without using the credit card. And then any extra on top of that can go towards paying down the debt. And if you do it that way, while it seems like slower progress, it's true progress. It's actually very honest progress. And you're not lying to yourself to think you just paid off a credit card only to find yourself back with credit card debt a month later. Um, the other thing I will say is, um, you know, there are some instances and they might be few and far between where really the debt is not a problem. And some people come in and they just, their debt does not bother them. Okay. And I'll give you a really good example. I have a young gentleman. He makes great money. He has a very low um, expenses overall. So he, he manages his expenses very well. He doesn't have a lot of wants. Right. Um, so compared to his income, he's got tons of positive cash flow every month. And he has student loan debt, but his student loan debt is at 1.8% interest. Mm. Okay. He could easily, with what he has in savings, wipe out that student loan debt if ever something happened, plus cash flow an emergency, cash flow a job loss. You know, there's a number of things. And so for him, it really, if that debt is not bothering him, financially speaking, there's probably a better use for that money. You know, if where he could earn more in the market, he could possibly earn more in just a savings account. There's so many different options for him. And I don't ever see it being a problem because he's done such a good job managing his wants. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. So some people where the, the payments themselves are a burden to your monthly cash flow, that's when debt becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's when we want to eliminate it as fast as possible. Okay. Sure. That makes sense. And I think one of the keys is that, um, like we've seen and, and said before, is that some people feel icky about like paying into their uh, emergency bucket funds mm-hmm. uh, and, and clothing and all these other things before they start to pay off their debt. Yeah, it feels very counterintuitive. Yeah. So it feels as if, well, I'm saving money when I have debt. That seems wrong. But I actually think it's the proper way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And it, what, what it does, the reason it's right is because it stops the vicious cycle that you're in. And if we don't stop the vicious cycle, that no matter how hard you work to get out of it, you will find yourself back in it. So we have mm-hmm. to change that first. And the reason I like to talk about this is because I feel like there's a lot of people walking around that feel a lot of guilt towards having a very small amount of student loan debt. Or, and you know, I see this all the time. People come in and they have like $5,000 in student loan debt and they just have this serious guilt about it. And, and I try to pinpoint, well, what's causing that? And it really has to do with, well, they just heard that debt was bad. Mm. So they don't think, they, they feel badly about it. And it's, yeah. you know, I have to just paint the picture. And again, if this is something that's bothering them, I'm all about paying it off. But if it's really just because it's an external influence that's causing that and it's not causing a burden to them and it's a very small amount, then I really feel like let's focus on a lot of other goals first. Let's put you in a position of making decisions about your money where you're doing it from a positive position, something you want, something you feel motivated and excited about and empowered by, and not making a decision based on fear or anxiety about your money. Right. Makes total sense. Okay, good. Excellent. So let's move on to our budget brag, where we talk about uh, a small or big win, just any kind of win that somebody has shared with us uh, with their budget and their personal finances. So uh, Matt says that he recently found out a family loan will be 100% paid off at the end of the year without needing to use any of our planned tax refund, uh, and now having that money to use for something more enjoyable. So that's awesome, you know, not having to use that tax refund to pay off debt is Yes. Huge, right? This is, I love this goal because I've been working with this couple for a long time and their goal at the beginning of the year was to have it paid off, hopefully by the end of the year. That was, but when we looked at all the projections kind of based on, you know, base income, no overtime, no extra commissions and, you know, expenses kind of where we think they might come in at, but hopefully they come in less. Um, it was going to be through March of this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. When they thought they were going to get their tax refund. And so we, the original plan was it'll take about a year and three or four months to pay off this family loan. And knowing that we wanted so badly to have it done in 2016. Right. And so it did get paid off in December. Um, and this was a $25,000 family loan. Okay. So this wasn't just you know, like a couple thousand, this was a big, they really had to hunker down, work really hard to pay off that much money in one year. Okay. That's huge. And I just, you know, to kind of a little expand on this story a little bit, the way they did it was amazing. So they, um, would give checks to their parents, but they would kind of hide it in things where they would have to break open a glass ceramic piece of pottery or something, you know, to, in order to get the check out and their parents had no idea that the money was getting paid back. And so, I mean, they videotaped it. Their parents were crying and just so overjoyed and proud of them. Um, and just such a good feeling to, you know, 
see that reaction yeah. that your kids are doing such good things with their money that they can pay back this loan that a long time ago was needed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what, and so what cool way to do it. I remember them talking about that and how just a cool way to be able to do that and um, you know unexpectedly surprise their parents with that. Yeah, that payment is cool. And Jill says that her mom still cries all the time thinking about it. Really? So yeah, cool. such and happy cries, of course. Sure, sure, yeah. awesome. So well, congratulations, you guys! Yeah. So incredibly proud of you and all your hard work. Excellent. Well, let's move on to our listener question. So this is from DT, and he says, should I take out a personal loan for moving costs? Here's a little background. I'm a 25-year-old male with $56,000 in student loan debt, wondering if I should take out maybe uh, approximately I'm sorry, $3,000 in moving expenses for my first job out of school. Uh, I'm thinking of getting a roommate so I can pay less but would, but would have to come up with the first month's rent and a security deposit. Plus, I wouldn't get paid until at least two weeks after my first day. I'd be moving about 50 miles. I don't really have a ton of furniture, just my bed and desk pretty much. It's just the first month's payment and deposit that's going to be a challenge. Any advice? What I should, uh, what should I do in this situation? Thanks. Oh, DT, I'm so glad you asked this question. <laughs> you might not like my answer, but you asked, so you're going to get the answer. Um, first of all, um, congratulations on the new job. So I'm super excited about that. $70,000. So to go from being in school making probably no money or very little money if you're working part-time or something while you're in school, to making $70,000 a year, that's a huge increase. And that's actually part of what has dictated my answer to you. You are about to be making more money than you've ever made. You should have a lot of positive cash flow, in other words, because if your expenses don't increase, if you don't allow your lifestyle to increase based on your new income amount, you should have extra money every month as soon as you accept this job. And I would love for you to not start your new life with a loan, okay? So it'd be different if you were moving across country or something like that, but you are moving or your job is 50 miles away. I know a commute doesn't sound like a fun idea, but you can do it for a very short period of time. Uh, my very first job outside of college, Michael might remember this, we lived in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, and I drove every day to Lansing, Michigan. It was 62 miles, and I literally did it every single day in the snow, okay? And um, after a while, I actually started to enjoy it. I would listen to a podcast or a certain radio, you know, radio show, and it just became actually an enjoyable part of my day, but... I did it for a very short period of time so that we didn't have to break a lease and all that kind of stuff. And you can do the same thing. We're only talking a few months here, dude. You can do it and save all of your extra money that you're going to make because you're going to be making a ton of money right now um, and go towards your moving costs. And then here's my next tip. I'm not sure where the $3,000 in moving costs is coming from. I would love to see a very detailed breakdown of that. Um, I would hope maybe the bulk of it is security deposit and rent, first month's rent, um, because you can move 50 miles really cheaply. This is where you're going to pay your buddy for gas for his truck. You're going to round up some friends. Uh, you're going to buy some pizza and beer and you're going to go to Costco and get some boxes and, you know, you're going to hit up like the, the restaurant depot, you know, the, the big restaurant stores and just find some boxes. Um, and you can move so cheaply. Okay. And then, especially when I'm sorry to interrupt, but he said that he has a couch and a bed and that's about a desk, right? Yeah. It doesn't have much. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and then here's the trick. 
as soon as your buddy needs to move, you're you're then recruited. You got to help them too. Okay, mm-hmm. so you got to return the favor. But this is just I th- I feel like most of us when we graduate college, I feel like it was like every month we were helping somebody moved oh, and yeah. some people helped us move every time we moved. When you're young like that, right? Yep. Yep. Um, Absolutely. So I don't want you to take out a loan. I really want to challenge you to do whatever you can to avoid that. Um, this is where short term sacrifice will completely pay for itself. Okay. It will require you to stay financially creative. It will, um, force you to stay financially savvy and not increase your expenses along with your income right now. Um, it will really encourage a delayed gratification. And simply, I just don't think that we've earned the right yet to, you know, borrow, borrow money or to do something that we technically can't afford to pay cash for. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that those are my uh, recommendations for you. Uh, please keep us posted and let us know what you decide to do. We'd love to hear from you. Nice. Congratulations uh, for the new job and all that new cash coming in. That's awesome. So let's uh, move to our main topic. And this week, um, I, I just came up with this, but it's, uh, it's January. And are you ready for Christmas yet? <laughs> So, People hate you right yeah, now. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so today it's January 3rd, right? So we're already talking about saving for Christmas. So why don't you expound on that a little bit? Yes, I know nobody... This is like the the last thing everyone wants to talk about right now is Christmas. Everyone's like, oh no, we finally got through the holidays. I'm like so relieved and glad and oh, thank goodness, right? And now I'm saying that I want you to think about it. Um, it is the best time to start planning because it's fresh in your mind. So try to take just sort of a mental inventory of the of the expenses you incurred around the holidays that you weren't ready for. I hear about this all the time. There are so many small changes either to your schedule, um, to the routine, uh, to the traditions that you may have had in the past that make it so that it is more expensive than what you thought. And it always impacts the budget more than people imagine it will. So people always think about the cost of gifts. But what about the bottle of wine that you take to a work function. Okay. What about, um, the stocking stuffers? What about if you host Christmas Eve dinner at the cost of additional food, uh, plates, you know, decorations for the dining room table, any number of things. Um, right now that's probably really fresh in your mind, all of the sort of oopsies that came up. And so I want you to write all of them down right now and also get a really good budget in mind. The other thing that's really good right now is your bank statements are right in front of you there. You log into your bank, you log into your credit card and all of the, all of that activity is front and center. It's not 12 months in the history or even three months behind. So you can see it. And I want you to gain some awareness, awareness of exactly how much you spent. That way we can start saving for it now. Whatever that number is, you got to know what it is. So I know that's not really a number people want to always look at, but you spent it, so you need to know what it is. And I want you to start saving for it now. That way, come December, everything is now already in your in your savings account. It feels so much more enjoyable. It feels easier. You can actually enjoy the holidays. You can enjoy being with family. Um, and so I really want you guys to start thinking about Christmas now. I know you don't want to, so stop rolling your eyes at me. I know. She can feel it. I can feel it. Um, No, I mean, really and truly, I know that this is like the last thing you want to do, but trust me on this, that you will thank me in 12 months. Yes, absolutely. So for you guys on, um, 
in the in the liner notes of this show um, and on our Facebook page. And if you search online, you know we'll, we're going to get this out there for you so you can find it very easily. But we have a holiday gift giving guide budget planner. Yes. PDF print printable. So print it out. It has a, a, you know almost every single type of gift expense you can think of from. January 1st to December 31st. Yes. And this is a perfect time to start pulling that together because you might know now someone's having a baby. Um, of yeah. course, at the end of the year, might, you might not know yet, but um, somebody you know about a wedding that's coming up, you either know um, what the plan is for Easter or you know something along those lines. And so you can start planning ahead for all of the gifts. And like I said, we have every holiday listed on there because I do think people tend to really focus on birthdays and Christmas. Whenever yeah. I ask people how much do you spend on gifts, they always give me the total or an estimate for birthdays and Christmas. But even an Easter basket, I mean, right. you can spend a lot on that or a Valentine's gift, even if it's small, like chocolates or something like that. Um, just the cost of Valentine's day cards for your kids, if they buy cards for the school. Um, so this stuff can really add up and you know, this just will help you to get really organized about it. Yeah. And you, and all the other even smaller stuff, you don't think about the, the wrapping paper and the gift boxes and the, um, stocking stuffers, stocking stuffers and just all that tissue kind of stuff. paper, the, the food for the events and uh, shipping, yeah. shipping oh, yeah. costs. People yeah. forget about the shipping costs a lot too. Yeah. So. so all that kind of stuff. So there's, there's kind of a preview of that, but we'll get that out there for you. So it's a free printable PDF of you just kind of fill in the blank and then add up all the totals and bam, you're, you're budgeted for the year for your gift. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Yes. So in Carmen's corner today, which is where we talk about how to deal with your kids and your money. Uh, we're going to be talking about college. You made that sound a little negative, like how to deal with your kids and money. Yeah, well, I mean, how to deal with your kids. <laughs> Carmen must have been cranky this morning, <laughs> and you're kind of... She was a little bit. I had to deal with her. <laughs> Just um, teasing. No, but how to... Uh, well, I was going to say, you know, normally we say how to talk to your kids about money, but this isn't really... This is some of it is dealing with your kid, but talking to them too. Yeah, so. I'm just teasing you. I it's know. okay. It's I know. okay. I know. I know. I hate kids. No, whatever. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> um, but so this week, uh, we're going to have Kelso talk about uh, some tips for preparing, uh, say, a junior in high school for being on their own while they're in college. Yes. Okay. So somebody asked, so what are some tips for preparing my junior in high school for uh, going on their own in college? Uh, the biggest thing is that you have to start talking to them now if you haven't already been, uh, because what happens when a kid goes to college and they don't know much about money or they only see the the bright, shiny side of it, which is that we get to buy things that we want, um, or if you don't have a lot of financial stress yourself and they're seeing that, um, they're going to get their eyes opened to a whole nother world. And there have been so many studies or stories put out there about Kids that go to college, they get a credit card for the first time. They've heard that it's bad, but they don't really know for sure why or how to use it or how to manage it. And because there always is this feeling of shame around money. So if you're not constantly talking about money in your house and you're always brushing it under the rug and it's sort of like the elephant in the room, then your child can go to college, make bad decisions, and then not tell you about it or not feel like they can talk about it. They feel that same level of shame themselves. And so they don't admit it. They don't know who to turn to. They don't know how to ask for help. Um, there are just so many stories out there of kids, college kids who find themselves in credit card debt or in over their heads with bills and they, they never tell anybody. And, you know, 
There are some extreme stories of them committing suicide over the stress, dropping out of school because they start getting bad grades because they can't manage the stress of that. Um, so really the biggest thing is telling them that no matter what happens, they should come talk to you about money, that no matter what kind of financial decisions they make, that you want to hear about it. It is super important that right away, your number one goal of what you're trying to communicate with them is that there's an open dialogue about money. And it is not something to be embarrassed by. It is not something to be ashamed by. And at the exact same token, doing good things should be celebrated. Okay. So talk about the good, talk about the bad. You want to know about where they stand financially. Okay. The second thing is to, if they don't already have a checking account, you need to get them a checking account. It can be a student checking account. As a parent, you can absolutely be authorized on the account. So you can always access it. You can always see what kinds of things they're buying. And then here's the thing is do not just let them open a checking account with no guidance from you. Okay. If you think about it, some of the things that we've figured out along our life, they don't know how to do. They don't know how to look online at the bank activity and make sure that all the charges are showing up right, how to check their available balance. They don't even know that they can do that. Um, and they don't know how to look for fraudulent charges, right? Or just review the activity on a regular right. basis. Right. So these are things that showing them how to log in, how do you see what your available balance is? How do you know if you can or cannot buy something? Um, those are all things that along with the checking account, they're going to need guidance on. And so that's one of the things that you really want to make sure that you're showing them. Um, I think it's a really good time too to start talking about the cost of college. Uh, you know, if they're going to be applying, if they haven't already, helping them to look and compare the costs of a private versus a public school in-state tuition versus out-of-state tuition, and then look at how much those things would cost and what that means when it comes to student loans or, you know, scholarships, grants, whatever the case may be, this might really help them to choose wisely. You know, if you are the type of parent where you're paying for their college, um, usually what I recommend is a parent says that they will spend X amount per year on college. And so if it's like a private out-of-state school on top of that, maybe they're responsible for the difference. And so it's going to really make sure that they're making the right choice. And... I don't want them to choose the cheapest school. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. So there's a lot that goes into choosing the right school with the right type of program, the right size school for their personality and where they're going to feel most comfortable. I mean, there's so many things that go into this. Right. Cost should simply be one of those things. Right. It's not the only thing. It's just one of them. Um, and so you really would just want to let them know that there is sort of a cost factor that goes into their decision too. Uh, and then finally, um, just, you know, the idea of temptations, that they're going to be seeing their friends doing things with their money. Um, they're going to be seeing their friends spend money on a credit card that maybe they don't have the option to do and, and really how to manage those temptations. And this is a normal way of life for all of us. We all see other people buy things that we sometimes want and we sort of covet. And then we have to sort of keep that in check a little bit. We have to say, well, that's not really my number one goal right now. That's not a priority to me. And teaching your kid from a young age how to start evaluating that from an internal perspective. Right. Yep, exactly. Um, let me ask you this. Is, when, when we were in school, we went to college together. That's how we met, if you guys didn't know that. But um, it seemed like every corner and every, in every building, like the student union, there was a Visa card guy there with a table signing free t-shirt if you sign up for this credit card 
Yeah, it's not that bad anymore. Okay, good. So thank God. I mean, that is one of the things that came from some of these stories of kids committing suicide because they were in credit card debt is that the the colleges have done a better job of not letting those come into the universities, um, or at least not as prevalent. So it used to be that even some of the colleges would get kickbacks. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know? Yeah. And now it's it's simply not... I'm not going to say it never happens, because it still does. And that's why you really do want to have a conversation about credit cards with your child. Mm-hmm. Um, because at some point, they will be faced, whether they're at the store on their own, right? Like, let's say they just go to Staples. Yeah. Or any, I mean, there's so many stores that literally you can't check out without them saying, do you want to open a card and get 10% off? Target every time. Target every single time, yeah. Um, And so you just want them to know what that decision is. What is the right answer to that decision? And so um, it might not be as prevalent as was when we were in school, but it still happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. Excellent. All right. Well, if you have any more um, tips or, or, or have any other specific questions regarding your kids going to college, please let us know. Um, but that is it for this week. Yay. Right? Yeah, it was good. We finally got our first one of 2017 yeah. under our belt. Yeah, so we're back at it and, and going to get you guys every week. Um, and so we'll talk to you then. But next week, look forward to this. We're going to be talking about budgeting for a wedding. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yes, budgeting for a wedding. Love it. Yeah, so you know, when is wedding season? Summer? Is it typically? You know, I, I think weddings are becoming so popular that it's like all year now. And mm-hmm. you, you can do a wedding on a Thursday. You can do a wedding on a Friday. Yeah. They are like, it used to be you only did a wedding on a Saturday, right? Right, right. Now they are every night of the week. They're getting super creative mm-hmm. with like the type of wedding you can have there. I mean, it's actually kind of fun. Yeah. It's way more fun than when you and I get married. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it really is. Like some of the yeah. weddings we've been to in the past couple of years, especially since Pinterest has been very popular. Yeah. That it's super cool and you can do it on a budget um, and and do it compared to like it was it, it's much it's more so, creative now yeah. much more to your personality where before yes. I think when we got married it was like you have a bouquet and it looks like this and you have the same colors and yes. I mean they're much more traditional back yes, then but yeah yeah so, we're old yep yeah, we are old <laughs> so that, that'll be fun to talk about that so uh, other than that you guys have a great week week we'll talk to you next week bye bye Thanks for listening to The Saver and The Spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com, to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at IamFiscallyFit, and on Facebook at FiscalFitnessPHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and The Spender. The Saver and The Spender.